Hi, this is Tom Compton. You're listening to WHTT Speaks Out. Each week, Chuck Carlson and members of We Hold These Truths look into events that are, for the most part, ignored or overlooked by the mainstream media. And we analyze these events. Ready, set, let the sparks fly. In today's WHTT Speaks Out, we're going to talk about a recent article in the Washington Post by a Sarah Pulliam Bailey, published on April 9th. The article is entitled, Is Support for Israel Waning Among Evangelicals? And our speculation, although she does mention this in there, that this came from David Brog, the executive director of Christians United for Israel. It turns out that he's actually written a fairly long article in a publication entitled The Middle East Quarterly, and his is entitled The End of Evangelical Support for Israel, The Jewish State's International Standing. And so, like I said, it's a, it's a lengthy article, and we want to just briefly talk about it and some of the things that they miss out there. But let me just read a few paragraphs from this Washington Post to get an idea, and then we'll be discussing this. Quote, American evangelicals have played a significant role in U.S. support for Israel. By some measures, they are even more supportive than American Jews. But in the spring issue of Middle East Quarterly, David Brog, executive director of Christians United for Israel, wrote a piece titled, The End of Evangelical Support for Israel. Evangelicals have shifted within the last decade, Brogue wrote, and are no longer considered automatic supporters of Israel. Quote, the days of taking evangelical support for Israel for granted are over, unquote, he wrote, suggesting an urgency for those who take the issue seriously. Quote, they cannot let the evangelical community go the way of the mainstream Protestant leadership, unquote. And then the story continues, several mainline churches and international church bodies have passed resolutions on divesting money or boycotting products made in Israel because of its occupation of the Palestinian territories. And it goes on here, but one of the things that's significant about this is what they omit. And we have recently in podcasts, several podcasts, talked about the instances from the mainland churches the, that where they are coming out against the occupation. And the most recent one is by the Presbyterian Church, PCUSA, that has come out with the congressional study guide called Zionism Unsettled. And it's got a lot of criticism from Jewish sources, even their own Presbyterian church, and it's very powerful document and really explains quite well what's going on in Palestine vis-a-vis the occupation by Israel. And this is not mentioned at all in this article. Now, they have some examples in here of movies like With God on Our Side, which is a very good movie, Little Town of Bethlehem, and it was funded by Mark Green, who is the son of Hobby Lobby's founder, David Green. And they mentioned the Christ the Checkpoint conference. The third one was just held this past March, 
and they note that Billy Wilson, the president of Oral Roberts University, spoke at the Chrysler Checkpoint, and David Green, the son of the founder of Hobby Lobby, is the current chair of Oral Roberts University in Oklahoma. Chuck? Well, in the first place, we have been, of course, focused uh, on Christians United for Israel for a long time, noting what they do, and, of course, visiting a number of their church meetings, nice to honor Israel and so on. And we know that they're very significant because the state of Israel actually formed Christians United for Israel out of uh, another organization that existed uh, some 20 years ago called Unity Coalition for Israel, which originally was called National Unity Coalition for Israel. And Unity Coalition for Israel was a direct lobbying organization, but it was focused on trying to get religious leaders to support Israel. And they then spun off Christians United for Israel, and uh, John Hagee, of course, willingly took over that post and has been the drum beater and leader and so on. But to all of us who watch him, he seems like kind of a dangerous, loose cannon. And uh, it's no doubt the Israelis feel that way, too. In fact, there have been a number of Israelis who said they don't like him at all, wish they'd get along without him. His plan of the end of the world calls for all the Jews to be destroyed anyway. And they have to be pretty pragmatic to accept his report. So what they've done is they put David Brog into his organization as executive director, and David Brog is none other than an Israeli himself. Uh, he's not a Christian. He's not a Baptist. He's none, none of the kind. He is a Israeli put there, and what his pretenses are, we don't know. But he effectively is the guy who steers and runs Christians United for Israel. That is my view of it, and we've always felt that way. And it's been apparent that he is the control man. John Hagee, of course, generates a lot of money for Israel, but he also generates a lot of money for himself. And God knows how much money John Hagee has managed to generate. So here we have now David Grog coming out and complaining that they're losing their support of the evangelicals. And we wonder if there's any truth in this, of course. Um, we, we wish it were so because we've been working for that end a long time. But uh, we know better than to think that David Brog is going to come out and tell us that we're winning. That's the last thing he would do. So we know there's another purpose behind all this as soon as we see it. And we've uh, written a story in which we kind of reflect upon how the evangelicals really work. Now, the biggest problem, of course, is getting a definition of what a Christian Zionist is. And in David Brog's story, which is, of course, reported by the Washington Post here, sort of Pulley and Bailey, she actually quotes the definition of a Christian Zionist that we came up with ourselves years ago before we ever heard anybody else talk about it. And that is the strange belief that the state of Israel as a country is a fulfillment of the prophecies of our Bible, which we Christians carry around under our arms, and therefore that the inhabitants of that state are superior in the eyes of God to the rest of us because God has created their state and honored it and given it special treatment. And uh, so they impute from that that they are a special people. And, and they act like it, too. So that's kind of my first response to what you've read, Tom. Well, Chuck, let me just throw in here what this Sarah Pulliam Bailey said about, uh, and I'll, I'll quote her from the story, quote, 
for years, the source of that attachment, in other words, to Israel, was a specific literalistic approach to biblical prophecy called dispensationalism. Dispensationalists believe the Israelites' return to the promised land is a requirement for the second coming of Jesus. They therefore rejoiced when Israeli troops captured the old city of Jerusalem from Arab forces in June 1967 and saw it as a sign that Jesus was coming, unquote. Okay, now I should comment on this. This word, a literal reading of the Bible, is constantly used by the sects who are known as dispensationalists. They like to say that because it sounds good. What's better than literally taking something literally? If the Bible says it, why shouldn't you take it literally? Why should you take it any other way? Well, the problem is the things that they take literally are things that are not said literally. They are things that refer to tidal waves and atmospheric disturbances and all kinds of things, super wars, in a sort of a manner that is exaggerated. So what they have drawn literally out of this is literal invasions of Israel by all kinds of people, literally setting up a new temple where the old one was and sacrificing animals. And they call these things literal interpretations. Actually, they're fanciful interpretations. And without going in detail of this, which we're really not prepared to do tonight, the idea of everything reoccurring in Israel is the product of a 19th century reconstruction of the Bible done by Cyrus Rice Schofield and his predecessors, of which there were plenty, and which we have unraveled in our own movie called Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning. So there's nothing literal about the way people like Oral Roberts University teaches and uh, others uh, such as uh, John Hagee teach, but it does resolve down to the idea of the necessity of war because war is spoken of a lot in the Bible. In some cases, it's spoken of without being literally intended and uh, usually not so. So here we have uh, now this David Brog telling us that his supporters really need to turn up the gas and whip up the heat because Israel is losing its support. And uh, he attributes his loss of support to every place except, well, of course, he doesn't mention any of our vigils in any of their churches. I noticed that he didn't happen to mention that. And it's true that that may not be important to them. But he also doesn't mention any of the really organized support efforts that are being carried out in other churches today. And uh, we've discussed these in our previous piece, including the Presbyterian study guide called Zionism Unsettled. Chuck, I might add uh, an interesting literal phenomenon, one of these things you were talking about earlier. I just learned about this from a Christian Zionist friend. It's blood moons. It's an astronomical phenomena where the eclipse of the moon and the earth is in the path, and so it actually gets blood red. It's kind of like a sunset, the same kind of phenomena where the light is dispersed on the edges. But anyway, John Hagee has written a book about this, about the blood moons and tying it to prophecy that because these blood moons, there's going to be four of them, and the next year all are hovering around 
Jewish holidays like Passover, <laughs> that there is some significance to it. So you have people that are very much into these kinds of things. So the, this would be an example of, uh, of literal translations. And, of course, it sells millions of books. Recall the, the Left Behind series that sold literally millions of books and enthralled people. And this kind of stuff, this sensational stuff, sells a lot of books. And I assume Very that good point. Tom, and, and I would add one reason why we don't try to get into explaining exactly what Christian Zionists teach inside their various churches is they don't teach the same thing. There's a lot of variation in distance. And here, here you have this man, Hagee, who has gone into astrology. He's whipping up some, some significance out of these naturally occurring astrological events. And I won't take time to read Four Blood Moons. But this is the kind of variations that you get from church to church. In this article, uh, Miss uh, Sarah uh, Pulliam uh, mentions a guy we never even heard of as an example of uh, someone who is, is an evangelical who is switching away from Christian Zionism because he has his own strange theory of, of, uh, of the end times. Uh, and... Uh, uh, and he uh, he's, he's named in here, and he believes God has already fulfilled his promise to Israel through a covenant with Jesus. We don't know what covenant that is. Uh, so he sees no theological reason for the state of Israel to be there. So he has his own brainy reason for why none of this makes any sense. So it varies widely from church to church, even in the same denominations. But the general storyline, of course, is the, uh, is the deterioration of the earth, the impending total doom of the earth, uh, a rapture event, um, uh, a, uh, a, an emergency second coming of Jesus who saved some of it, and uh, the death of all, uh, lots and lots of Israelis and Jews, uh, and on and on it goes. So without getting it, we just don't want to get into uh, to explaining their story because it defies explanation. I've heard it many times in my own church experiences, and it's almost impossible to remember even. And I think that's why dispensationalists tend to whip up their own story as they get into something they can remember, and that's what the way they tell the story. Well, also I might point out my theory about this is obviously there is some opposition to what uh, Kufi is, is doing, but... I think a lot of this, what they're coming up with, is a way to gain some sympathy and more fundraising leverage, if you will, from the faithful that are out there. So if it looks like a crisis, everybody wants to help in a crisis, even though we do see that there actually is a, a very slow turning, as we point out in our video Christian Zionism, the tragedy and turning, that there is a small turning. And so they, they recognize it, but I think this is a way that they figure that they can actually capitalize on it and make well, a little hay. Uh, maybe Travis wants to interject something here, and then I'll read a little bit from our report of the way we treated this article. Travis, did you have any? I just recently read a little something on that blood moon stuff, and I think they're trying to pull out of axe or something like that. That's all I have to offer. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, you know, of course, here here's a little thing from The Blaze, which I think is Glenn Beck's. He had a review. 
quote, in an interview with The Blaze last year, Hagee said the premise of his theory is, quote, confirmed by NASA, unquote, data. He argued that a series of four blood moons have appeared on Passover and Sukkot, also known as Feast of Tabernacles. Passover celebrates the Jews' liberation from Egyptian slavery, and Sukkot commemorates the Jews' 40-year wandering in the desert. So anyway, you know, they, they make, make this stuff sound scientific and plausible. Because it occurs on some convenient day. Well, here's kind well, of the yeah. way I treated this whole idea in my story, which is posted on the website. There is a movement within mainline Christianity, and by the way, uh, Mr. Brog hardly mentions this. We think he's purposely avoiding mentioning the real movement that's going on that would trouble him, and we're not flattering ourselves by saying he should have uh, talked about all our vigils at uh, John Hagee events or anything like that. But what we do think is he should have noticed when mainline Christian churches with millions of members start taking very firm positions against his position, then it's probably worth mentioning. He only made the, the vaguest mention of it just sufficiently so that no one would be able to say that he doesn't bother to read the newspapers and is totally uninformed. It's one of those things where you plaster in a little bit to let people to uh, hide yourself from people calling you totally ignorant of events. Here's what we commented. There is a movement within mainline Christianity which is taking place rapidly. What the Washington Post writer does not reveal is that mainline Christians are catching on to the danger of Zionism in masses. And the result is frightening radical Zionists, both Christians and secular. David Brog is damage control, an Israeli Jew appointed to keep an eye on the fanatical and unpredictable John Hagee. And aside, you see how unpredictable he is, he writes a, a story about the moon. If, if Muslims did that, he would accuse them of being moon worshippers. Uh, anyway, Brog is an Israel spokesman in, inside John Hagee's Christian United for Israel. Zionists are indeed concerned about traditional Christ followers who are catching on to what Israel has been doing to the Philistines for over 60 years. The Post story confuses the readers about who really supports Israel and who is beginning to oppose it. Uh, they say dispensationalists believe that Israel's return to the promised land is a requirement for the second coming of Jesus. They therefore rejoice when Israeli troops captured the old city of Jerusalem from Arab forces in June 1967, and they saw it as a sign Jesus was coming. This is true. But this very basic story does not lead us to the theology of the very many who are starting to oppose Zionism. And the traditional Christ followers, even though they may not have evangelical in their church's name, do not accept the dispensational view. The one I just mentioned, uh, rejoicing uh, when the Israeli troops took the old city of Jerusalem. Most of those who consider themselves mainline or traditional Christians, like uh, Mr. Steele, who's with us tonight, consider this scriptural game playing, a sort of a biblical scrabble. It cuts and pastes theology. Traditional Christians reject the notion of a present state chosen by God therefore in God's eyes, superior to other men. In the theories of Brog and Hagee, Israelis are created greater than all other equal men. Toward furthering this illusion, the Post 
quotes Jews for Jesus, directed by David Brickner. And he goes on to support this idea of the, of the chosen uh, race of Jews, even though they call themselves Christians. In other words, Brickner tells us Israel's occupation of Palestine may be over a difference of an opinion, where both sides are somewhat wrong. Occupation may be okay, as long as it's done lovingly. And what the parties need to do is to dialogue from middle ground. This, of course, while the Palestinians are suffering malnutrition and hunger and thirst. Of course, we don't go for this idea. Anyone hopeful of understanding American Christians who supports Israel's occupation of the Philistines must start with a proper definition of Christian Zionism or Zio-Christianity, as we like to call them. You must have a proper definition, as we have. I suggest you watch Tragedy and Turning to clarify this. If you're wondering why I use the word Philistine, it is to remind readers that the Arab pronunciation of Palestine is Philistine. And we use it to remind you that many who live there are descendants of a biblical people. It is equally true that most Israeli citizens are not descendants from biblical people, but are immigrants from Europe and that their name was chosen from a book, the book being the Bible in 1947, which is where they got the name of Israel. And it could have been any other name that they chose to pick. So there really is a growing resistance to what Israel is doing to the Palestinians, but it's not really coming, we don't think, we wish it was, from inside the big dispensational church. It's coming from the mainline church, and that's really what has David Brogg frightened because he does not know how to deal with that. They cannot preach religion to the mainline churches and cause them to do irrational things in the name of Judeo-Christianity. Great. Thank you, Chuck. That was very interesting. And we would direct people to your article on our website. And we thank you for listening in. Thanks for listening. If you like this program, please let your friends know about it and our other thought-provoking podcasts. And be sure to visit our website, whtt.org, for a wealth of information on Christian Zionism and other critical issues that we face. Also, at whtt.org, you can watch for free our award-winning documentary film, Christian Zionism, The Tragedy and the Turning, Part 1. Join us in our efforts to wake the town and tell the people. Start small think big, and press on towards the straight gate.